Hi there. I'm Eric Word Weaver Shervant, Gothi of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy, sets my mind on fire at the time. Um, big UPG warning at the beginning of these, like always. I, uh, I am not a uh, hardcore recon. I'm not a neo-pagan fluffy bunny. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. I am an organic, tribal-based heathen, uh, in the modern era who is just trying to find my way in the modern day. And so I definitely have a lot of rooting in research and in history and in tradition, uh, particularly tied to a uh, more Norse Icelandic bent of things. And that is my the aesthetic I tend to be drawn towards. And then, of course, there's growth for the future, uh, insights. Most everything that you see on this channel is going to be born from a mixture of my research and my own personal insights. So keep that in mind as we go forward. And uh, these are only meant to be uh, talking points, a start of conversation for you to get you thinking maybe a little outside the box or maybe to bring things to light in a different fashion and uh, get you to think a little bit differently on a subject and maybe start some really cool conversations in your own hearth and your own tribe. So all the contact information is down below. Hit the email, hit the Facebook group, hit uh, the comments in the section down below. Everything's there. You can hit me up. Uh, if there's anything that you're interested in sending into the channel, there's a PO box down there that you can send it to. Feel free to mail anything my way. Make it appropriate, guys. Don't uh, don't get me in trouble with the post office because you're trying to mail in something wildly inappropriate. Um, that that might get us both in trouble. You know how things are in the modern era. So keep that in mind going forward. All right. So <clears throat> without any further ado. We're going to go ahead and jump into today's subject. Now, the reason for today's subject is multifold. I've had a lot of people ask me, a lot of people, uh, so much so that I, I initially wrote down an individual that I wanted to attribute this particular uh, request to, because uh, I did have one that was like, hey, what are your thoughts on heathenry and divorce? Uh, but then I got more, and I got more. And then I've had people that just drop comments in the comment section about, well, you know, with relation to marriage and when things break down and, you know, how does this play in with Frith and Griff? That popped up recently. I think on the Facebook group, that's where that popped up recently. Um, that may have been in the comment section. I've seen it pop up a couple of places lately uh, where people have just been kind of, hey, um, what are the thoughts on this? And... I've kind of stayed away from this subject for the most part. Uh, I have intended to come back and do a video on it at some point in time, but I didn't want to necessarily just jump off into, you know, we did heathen, heathen weddings and stuff back in the day, um, which if you've not looked into that and you want to know some information about kind of a modern take on uh, weddings and marriage within heathenry, uh, check out my, my heathen weddings video. Uh, keep in mind that since that video went live, there have been some changes with certain states and their, uh, their laws and regulations pertaining to online ordination. I know Texas is still kosher, uh, but there's some other states that I don't think are honoring online ordination with regards to marriage. Um, uh, there's one in particular that I can think of that uh, I think that was Tennessee. Jesse Everett Midgard's musings was telling me uh, in order to get his ordination, he had to go and do it in person because you couldn't do online ordinations anymore. Uh, not in, you know, be viewed as, as legally binding when it came to uh, marriage and, and, and that kind of aspect within ordination. So as a result, um, I highly recommend people double check 
into your local ordinances and everything before you conduct any weddings or seek out someone who has an online ordination in order to get married. So I uh, just, just think about those things going forward because it may be time for some folks to update their, uh, their, their understanding of their local laws. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So, but because I've done that one, you know, I like to focus a little bit more on some of the positive things, but there is, you know, this is a very real aspect of heathenry. And I have had a lot of people come forward and ask me these questions. Um, it, it's, it's a thing I had to think on long and hard. So, I mean, I've got a fairly decent understanding of my viewpoint of divorce in heathenry in the modern era because I, I have been divorced before. And so I'm not going to go into the details on any of that for you guys, but, you know, I have been through it before, so I do understand um, the different aspects of what's going on behind the scenes and the complexities of situations and how it's not necessarily just a simple black and white type situation. Uh, there may well be some significant issues, uh, some complexities that make it almost impossible to just boil everything down to black and white. I get that all too well. Mine was definitely not black and white. So, <clears throat> we revisit the concept of marriage when we're talking about uh, the, the general concept of divorce. And you have to contemplate what marriage is in order to truly understand what you believe with regards to divorce. I know that sounds redundant and silly, but um, there, there's a reason for it. In order to understand divorce, you got to understand the definition of marriage. You got to understand not necessarily the definition of marriage, but what marriage is, what it entails, and why it functions the way that it does. We've covered this in marriage before, so I'm just going to refresh really quick uh, so as not to waste an entire video re rehashing the same old thing, but marriage is in and of itself a social contract. It is an agreement between two individuals to join their households, to join their methods of production, of providing for family, etc., etc. It's an agreement to raise family together, to be a family together. Um, essentially, it is just an agreement between individuals. Individuals, I'm not going to say who, how many, whatever. That's not, that's, that's neither here nor there. The essence is, the basis of marriage is that it is an agreement, a social contract, uh, with boundaries and rules and understandings, okay? I don't care if you've got a traditional, quote-unquote, traditional marriage, uh, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, one male, one female kind of thing, you have a basis of understanding, you have frith within the family. Um, frith is the basis of trust that is born from upholding obligations. Everybody has an obligation within the social structure that has been established, and you uphold those oaths, you have oaths, those obligations. And if you fail to uphold those obligations, well, then you damage the frith within the family, okay? Big key point, we're coming back to that again in a little bit, like we've done a couple times before, but, you know, frith is the basis of everything. So, you get the family unit, even if that is what you've got, man and woman, whatever, it is a social agreement. It is a social contract. If you've got an open relationship, again, it's a social contract. If you've got a polyamorous relationship, it's a social contract. All of it is social contract. I don't care if it's, you know, same sex, poly, whatever. Um, it all boils down to the contract. It is the agreement that this is how we will live our lives together. These are the boundaries that we will establish as part of our relationship and violation of this is violation of frith. 
Okay. Um, for instance, you may have an open relationship where uh, individuals may have some freedom uh, with expressing their sexuality, etc., etc., etc. There may be a rule within the household of communication and honesty, and then sneaking around uh, and and having a partner that hasn't been discussed about before falls under subterfuge instead of, you know, with the open communication element of the open relationship, wherein you would be honoring the uh, contract therein, uh, you are betraying that through subterfuge. Um, similarly, if you've got a monogamous relationship of one male, one female, one male, male, female, but whatever, whatever. Um, if you've got a one-on-one kind of marriage, ah, you've got uh, an agreement there of monogamy, and that is an understood rule. And so that is part of the marriage boundary. And if you're not codifying these things into the boundaries when you create your vows, then you're you're setting yourself up in some ways that I think are going to be difficult on down the line. Um, it is very healthy when you initially set up a marriage to establish exactly what the boundaries are. Otherwise, you'll end up going the route of today's subject, which is divorce. Um, I find a lot of times the divorce, and this is something with my field I see a lot of, I find that divorce most frequently comes from disagreements between the individuals at play about what the actual expectations of the marriage are. There's a breakdown over time. Uh, frequently, it's because people rush into relationships, uh, they rush into marriage. Um, a lot of times they try to enter into a marriage with the idea of what a marriage is supposed to be instead of an understanding of what their marriage is going to be. And so they, they have this picture in their head of what the marriage is supposed to look like. Well, so does the other individual. And as they grow and they develop over time, those images may change. Those images may shift. It may not be the same image you had when you got married. You have grown, you've learned, you've developed, you have had changes of opinions. You know, um, when you got married, you may very much have been in favor of children. And then over time, things may have changed your opinion on that. And so uh, without proper communication to illustrate to the other individual within the marriage or the other partners, whatever, um, without constant communication, without the proper communication, you end up with very disparate images of what the marriage should be. And both people end up becoming uh, disappointed and unsettled, unfulfilled to the point that they feel they need to seek out something else in order to fulfill their needs. And they may well need to, because what you want out of a marriage and what they want out of a marriage may have completely changed at this point, and it may be time to shift away. So uh, then, of course, there's the... uh, That's usually the the general, just we grew apart kind of scenario. Usually the growing apart is that you have... Uh, through a myriad of different elements, the relationship has fallen apart and, and just you, you've lost that connection. You're on different paths in life and it's you, you, to fulfill yourselves, you need to walk in separate directions. That, that happens. Then there's the major issues of, you know, uh, infidelity, of, um, you know, betrayal of Frith in some kind of way, shape, form, or fashion, hiding finances. Um, usually it comes from subterfuge, lying, deception, um, but in some way, shape, form, or fashion, betraying the social contract of the marriage that was established when the vows were made. So, 
It's kind of how we can get to marriage. And there's a bunch of different ways that you can. You can have chronic illness within uh, one of the, the members of the marriage that can put an extreme stress on uh, the other individual. And then they can feel a disproportionate amount of weight is put on their shoulders. They don't feel like the other person is pulling their weight. Uh, they don't feel like their relationship is commensurate, is fair, is balanced. And as a result, they can have that kind of issue. You can have situations where people lose respect for one another. And then as time goes by, you fooled yourself into thinking the other person has respect for you and they don't. And then as time goes on, it grates more and more and more and more and more until those little issues uh, that come from a basis of respect just can't be worked with anymore uh, because it's all boiled up to the point that everything sets you off because you don't feel respected within the relationship. As you can see, there's a million different reasons why people can end up splitting up, divorced, whatever. So, uh, but this isn't psychology hour. This isn't what we're after. That's just kind of a primer on the basis of what's going on now. So let's talk a little bit about the oath process and frith. What that means, because in order to understand it from a heathen perspective, you have to look at the oath. That's the essence. That's the heathen element of, of heathenry. Uh, the heathen element of the marriage in this instance is the oath. So let's look at the oath. So to, to discuss the oath... Um, that's, um, cut that, that was silly. Three, two, one, let's jam. Now the oath is the essence of the marriage in this element. The, the oath is the agreement. It is the codification of the agreement into a vow, into a, a measurable thing. It is the point at which you can say, I will be true to you, I will protect you, I will take care of you, and it doesn't matter how complex you make your oath, you can't cover all the bases. So, the essence of the marriage vow is that you vow to uphold frith. You vow to uphold your obligations within the relationship, understood or explicitly stated. The expectations and obligations inherent within the relationship, you will fulfill. And that's going to be different for every relationship. Like I pointed out before, a poly relationship versus an open relationship, all of those can be very, very different in what they set up as far as their internal schematics for the relationship. That doesn't make them any less valid. That doesn't make them any less stable over time. Um, I know some very stable people that have had open relationships for a very long time. I've known some very unstable people who have utilized open relationships to mask insecurities and have created a firebomb of what's going on with their, their world. And that has happened in the past with a couple of individuals that I can think of. Um, same with some of the poly setups that I've known. So it can be good, it can be bad, the same as a normal marriage can be. You know how many marriage-saving babies have ended up with divorced parents because marriage-saving babies don't work? Um, yeah, it's a thing. It doesn't matter what your marriage looks like, it's all over the place. So it's all about how much the two take seriously the marriage vow. Because when you ask what a heathen standpoint on divorce is, divorce is fine. 
Divorce is okay. Divorce happens. Even if you look back at the old Icelandic codes, if you look into the sagas and whatnot, divorce happened. Now, a lot of what we had written down was written down by Christianized monks from later on. That's just because there wasn't writing at the time of the Archheathens. Uh, not, not that would codify this kind of thing. But there are, in the law codes and things, indicators of the way things used to be before the Christianization of Northern Europe. And so, yes, divorce was a thing. Divorce was not unheard of. Uh, actually, in a lot of ways, women enjoyed a number of freedoms and rights that other people, other women in the world, did not get to have at that time. Keeping in mind, it's still a fraction of the freedoms that they have today, uh, but they did have more than others in their, uh, their time period, uh, depending on which time period you look at. But Northern Europe was surprisingly forward-thinking with uh, the way that they viewed uh, the rights of women in a lot of ways, especially in the, the, the heathen areas. It wasn't modern by any means, so it is er it's erroneous to try and place uh, the template of modern viewpoints and morality on a different time period with a different zeitgeist. It doesn't, doesn't transfer. So, it, divorce was a thing, and usually when divorce happened, the women retained a certain number of rights, uh, even the ability to hold property and things like that. They were not just suddenly shuffled aside because they were worthless without a man. So, it was a thing. Now, most of the modern issues with divorce come from some of the more Judeo-Christian big book uh, religions, as far as uh, the the view of marriage as sacred, marriage as holy, as marriage being with a divinity involved. Arch heathen marriages were not about divinity in that respect because it wasn't about relationship with the gods. It was about relationship with one another. It was a cultural thing and not a religious thing. So the religious aspect didn't play into it. The big thing was, were the oaths fulfilled? And if the oaths have not been betrayed, then nobody has been harmed in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And an amicable split doesn't carry with it any dishonor or negativity. It simply is a thing, and you can split ways, and you can go on about your business, and everything's fine. However, major betrayals, where someone fails to uphold frith, damage both the weird of the individuals tied to the marriage and all the witnesses that bore witness to the marriage vow in the first place. Um, so, when you're talking about heathens and divorce, the why is important, as I say with everything. The why is important. You know, why are they getting divorced? Are they getting divorced because it's an amicable split and they just, it's just not working and they're going to go their separate ways? Well, yeah, sure, it's fine. Um, most of the time, that didn't occur a whole lot, um, but largely because, uh, at least not of the recorded marriages, because most recorded marriages are going to be big marriages. They're going to be arranged marriages to tie specific families together, etc., etc., etc. They're arranged things. They're a they're even more of a contract than just the basic social contract. Your average everyday Joe Blow marriages didn't get recorded in the sagas and whatnot because that was just your average everyday stuff. Um, people that fell in love and got married out of love that didn't necessarily carry the weight of um, like you know the the there's a mosquito in front of my camera. 
<laughs> but that didn't necessarily carry the weight that you know a big like uh, your law speaker getting married or your Gothi or your chieftain or you know your chieftain's cousin or anything like that uh, those carried a little bit more weight because they were more high profile and usually there was some kind of political tie uh, that was wrapped up in that so with those divorce carried more repercussion because the, again you're talking about you know political stuff um, but at home eh, it's a thing so because you are talking about an oath an oath is an arrangement between two individuals an agreed upon contract a codified contract and if it has not been betrayed both parties can step away from the oath and simply dissolve it if the oath has been betrayed to the point that Frith is broken, then Frith is no longer the obligation. If Frith is shattered, then no obligation continues to exist. So if you have marriage vows, the essence of the marriage vow is uh, not unconditional, not because that's more of a westernized big book thing. Um, it's not unconditional. The essence is as long as you uphold your end of Frith and I uphold my end of Frith, we will continue this and this will be a thing. Um, the understood is that a violation of Frith means the dissolvement of the relationship, but it's not an automatic thing. You still have to choose to step out of it. You can have bad marriages and still stick with them. Um, and even with political marriages, which again, like I said, are not necessarily representative of marriages as a whole. They're the ones more likely to be recorded, but they're also the ones less likely to look like normal everyday marriage. Uh, they're more to look like intrigue and stuff like that. You're more likely to see some people who hate each other married together and, you know, both have uh, partners on the side, but an understanding that they put together a good front when they step out into public, they're respective of one another. Uh, they'll bear a requisite number of children in order to, you know, continue the family line and to solidify these bonds. You know, that's, that's a thing with big weddings, but we're not talking about big weddings necessarily. We're talking about little stuff, so... The dissolvement of the oath is a no harm, no foul stepping away of the oath and saying, all right, look, I absolve you of your oath and you, you absolve me of mine and we are done and we step away from it. So that is the essence of the heathen kind of, well, my understanding of the heathen view on um, divorce. So at least this heathen's view on divorce is that when you have agreed upon the dissolvement of the oath and released each other from that oath, you're done. Um, the legalities of going through the court, well, that's a formality at that point. Uh, that is still a legal standing thing. But as far as the marriage itself, um, that's, that's a separate thing. And once you've absolved each other from your oaths, um, you know, you're no longer bound by that oath. Uh, you are still bound by law if you are legally married. And so, you know, you'll want to go through all of the requisite things with regards to legal proceedings, especially if the divorce is being contested or if it's ugly. Uh, mind your P's and Q's with the law because that's not about people. That's about the game. And uh, you need to play the game in order to not get eaten by it. Just saying. So, <clears throat> the when it boils down to it when you're saying well what is the heathen viewpoint on divorce you know what is the heathen approach the simple matter is that yes the family the the sib the immediate family is first and foremost the most important piece of heathenry uh, it is the inengoth it is the the home the hearth and that is the smallest indivisible unit 
And you don't want to just tear that apart willy-nilly. You don't want to destroy that without feeling like you've given it its due. But things do happen. People do grow apart. Marriages do become toxic. At which point in time, you are not doing yourself or your family any favors by perpetuating a toxic scenario. So, you know, I, I never really want to see anybody split up, but sometimes there are times where I'm just like, yeah, those two need to get divorced. I don't see that working. But again, I don't see behind closed doors, so I don't know what the rest of their relationship looks like. And it may be that it's not nearly as toxic as what I see in those high-stress moments where they just aren't driving because everybody has those moments. So another thing is to understand that you don't want to necessarily make a lifelong decision based on a momentary emotional response. Make sure that whatever decision you make with regards to your oath is made with a calm, cool head and not in the moment of warrior haze because you may make a rash decision uh, that will be damaging to you in the long game as opposed to you know, a smart decision uh, what feels good, a cathartic decision in the short game. Um, but that being said, rage is a thing. <laughs> and so uh, rage is definitely an emotion that is not to be ignored, uh, not to be uh, minimized, because rage is the fire of movement. And so it's neither positive nor negative, it simply is. And sometimes you need that in order to uproot yourself from a stagnant, toxic scenario. Uh, you need that bit of rage to boil yourself up and get out of there uh, while you still can. So, you know, these, um, I'm rambling on this, but you get the idea that it's not a simple thing. It's a complex deal. Uh, yes, there are legal aspects tied to the legalities of divorce and legalities of marriage, especially in the United States. I can't speak for any other places because I don't live anywhere. I live in the United States. Specifically, I live in Texas, and uh, Texas has its own particular views with regards to divorce. So much so that uh, I have learned that recently the, uh, the cost for divorce has more than doubled, um, which was crazy to me because when I got mine, it was significantly cheaper. Uh, than the friend that I'm thinking of in particular that's going through one right now, uh, to which you know I say sorry to her, tip my hat because that sucks. But it is what it is, and so you know there's there's these different things that you've got to take into account: cost, complexity when it comes to children because children are a thing. I can tell you though that for a child, perpetuating a toxic relationship and a toxic marriage on past its death point is more damaging than splitting and maybe having to do the single parent thing, um, maybe floundering for a bit. Uh, all of those things are preferable to a child living in a toxic well. You've got to clean the well, you've got to protect those kids, because at the point that you give life to a child, your obligation to them is higher than your obligation to your spouse. If your spouse becomes a toxic thing with regards to the children, then it's your obligation to protect the children. Um, I've known some people that have ended up in those particular scenarios too. Uh, family is not a simple thing. It is not a simple thing to boil down and to codify into a nice, neat little bullet point. That's why this one's like all over the place, discussion-wise, is because there's a million different things popping to my mind as I go through this. Keep in mind the field that I work in. Um, I, I deal in broken families. That's, that's my medium is broken families. And so I see every element of broken family that you can think of. Um, friends that I have had for years have come from broken families, have seen their families break in the time that we have been together. 
you know, it's, it's just all over the place. Um, so it's a, it's a complex thing. It's a thing. Yeah, another one of those drinking game, take a shot deals. Uh, it's a thing. And so heathery and divorce is not a simple thing to say other than the fact that, you know, yeah, it's a thing within heathenry. It's an understood thing. Is it a positive thing? No. Is it a negative thing? Not necessarily. It's just simply a thing because it is a facet of the oath. It is a facet of the social contract. You cannot have the capacity for contract without the capacity for dissolving the contract, violating the contract, what you do in case of violation of the contract, because if a relationship is stayed in beyond, if you, if you do the unconditional thing, I'm staying in this no matter what, no matter how bad they violate Frith and try to drive me off, I am not going to be the one to leave. Well then, one, they're never going to treat you better because there's no consequence for their negative behaviors. Without consequences for their negative behaviors, there's no reason for them to alter their negative behaviors. As such, you end up with a perpetuating cycle of toxicity that only gets more and more toxic because they have lost all respect. You have to have respect enough for yourself to say that when time is time, I need to step away. Uh, and that's a hard thing to do. That's an extremely hard thing to do. It's also an extremely hard thing to know when that time is. You can always say, well, you'll know. No, you won't just necessarily know. You have to be, you have to reach that point. You know, I can't necessarily say you gotta be beaten down to that point, but you gotta reach that point. And that point's not the same for everyone. Um, some people it takes an exorbitantly longer amount of time. Um, speaking from experience on that one. Uh, some people it's very quick and very accurate. Hey, no, I'm not doing this. Some people it's I'm not doing this again because they learned from their previous mistakes and have chosen not to perpetuate a long toxic relationship because they feel like they have to uphold this obligation. Um, the hardest part for people is recognizing when the obligation no longer holds because the obligation has been, or Frith has been shattered by the other individual. Um, most people feel like as long as they're married, they are obligated. Um, to a certain extent, there's some accuracy to that, but for the most part, uh, the obligation is the Frith obligation. Uh, marriage is simply the name that we give to the codification of this relationship. If you were to take marriage out of it completely, uh, in the modern vernacular, in the modern understanding of it, two people would come together, work together to build a life, and then if things got too toxic, one would be like, you know what, this is no longer working for me, this is no longer keeping me and mine safe and providing for us, we're gonna bounce later. And there you have it. They move on and they try something else. And this is the essence of how this goes, because again, your number one priority is to your Innengacht to your family. Um, and so sometimes you bring people into that inner yard that are toxic and that are not right for you. Um, sometimes people are toxic together that are not toxic independently. Um, sometimes you can mix, mix bleach and ammonia and, and, and get a compound that will kill everyone in the room, but separately uh, they each have their specific uses and are not that caustic in that nature by themselves. Um, not necessarily the best metaphor, but you get what I'm going for there, I hope. So, you know, again, this is not exactly a pleasant subject to discuss because everybody wants to talk about the positive things in life, uh, but this is a very real element. And 
yeah, when, when it's time to dissolve that oath, it's time to dissolve that oath. And you are, you're not going to be wrong with the gods for dissolving the oath. You're not going to be wrong with the gods or your folk or your ancestors if you seek to properly dissolve an oath that either is no longer beneficial to the family and has become a toxic thing or that is a danger to you and yours. That becomes your obligation to get away from it. If you have a situation where yourself or your children or whatever are in danger because of the relationship that you're in, it becomes your obligation to protect those children and protect yourself. Um, I know that can seem a hard thing, especially in the moment, like we talked about in the domestic violence uh, video ages ago. Um, that's a hard obligation to understand sometimes, especially when you're in the thick of it and things are not easy. They're not simple. Um, puzzle pieces don't fit together nice and easy and light. It, it just doesn't work that way. So anyway, I'm going to ramble on forever on this subject, but I hope this helped to kind of clarify a little bit. I know it's kind of all over the place, but again, this is an all over the place kind of thing. I mean, I could boil everything down to uh, what is heathenry's stance on divorce? It's okay in the right scenarios. Uh, as long as you go about it the right way, then no harm, no foul. Okay, you just saved yourself 30 minutes worth of talking, Eric. Except all those other nuances and complexities are actually important within the context of this statement. Um, after having that conversation and setting the context, that statement makes sense. Beforehand, it would have been a little oversimplifying. So anyway, thank you guys. Please feel free to continue to write in. I appreciate it. I've had a number of people message me lately indicating just how much the channel means to them and how much they've enjoyed the content, how much uh, they, they love the content, how the kind of impact that the content has had on them and their lives. And I cannot express to you how much that means to me. I appreciate hearing that because it reminds me of why I do what I do. And so I'm going to try and continue to keep things coming your way. Um, like we say, every week things are crazy right now. So I'm going to try and keep on schedule. Uh, just bear with me if things go a little sideways there for a bit because uh, industry being what it is and this whole COVID thing, uh, everything's crazy. And uh, keeping, keeping the balance is difficult these days, but I'm trying. So I'm going to try and keep doing. Um, you've noticed I'm shooting a lot from my uh, my yard these days. Part of it's because I got a new tripod and I like the new tripod and I'm playing with the new tripod. Uh, part of it is because I simply don't have time to film at work this week. Uh, these past like couple of months, I barely have had time to film at work. So I take a little time out of my weekend to come out here and film and then edit and then try and get this stuff up to you guys in a timely manner. So bear with me. Keep those questions coming. Keep keep adding on to the comments, uh, the suggestions, the questions, the requests. I listen to all of them and I build a lot of my content on viewer requests because it's it's pretty easy for me to look at a question and go, oh yeah, I can do a video on that. No problem. Um, pulling it out of my hat, mm, sometimes I don't know what I want to talk about, which is when I go back into the bag of questions and go, this week we're talking about this. So uh, this week we we're talking about divorce. Hopefully that helps some and then you guys can hit me up with questions or your own anecdotes down below i uh, hit the facebook group and have a deep conversation on modern understandings of heathen marriage all of that if you want uh, be my guest and uh, we'll go on from there and keep trucking along do what we do so hail to you all thank you may your hearth fires burn bright